It is Thursday. It is Toy Department time. I'm Derek Madden. He's Matt Kolsky. How are you doing today, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I gather from your pre-show discussion several things. One, uh, you've probably had better days. Two, um, you're not thrilled with me at the moment. You might and, be the dog. Yeah, you know, you, and you three, might be the and, and three, uh, I think we're we're gonna agree about one thing and disagree about another in our culture Strong, segment. We're today. gonna strongly disagree. Do you want to do you want to just do that now? Or, yeah, or? I think we better just start with it. I, I feel like we need to clear the air. Uh, okay, let's start. Let's start with murder at the end of the world, and I'll just I'll just clear out and and, and let you go. On this. Why? I think you have the relevant opinion here. Uh, no, no, no. I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Uh, okay. I, I found it to be, uh, an engaging sort of techno mystery story with a main character that I enjoyed and some, uh, admittedly not too deep, uh, critiques of the tech world that ended in a totally surprising, uh, way in terms of the whodunit that I think asks at some level, a legitimate question about artificial intelligence. Um, I would say, you know, if we're doing like a five-star rating, it's like a three out of five, but I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and say, giant spoiler alert, if you would like to watch Murder at the End of the World at some point and... Um, but before people yet, who leave... Or who, who who are thinking of watching it leave? I feel like you should say something because I think what you're going to say is basically like, "Don't watch this." Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to say, "Don't watch this." It's a giant turd of a mystery, and if uh, I was going to give it uh, out of five stars or rating, I would give it minus five. Um, I am, uh, you know, it's my fault because when we were watching this, I think I'd watch like four of them, and anything they were that money, and I'm like, "Yeah, sure," I'm, you know, four or five in. I could finish this, and it turned out to be like six episodes of um, just sub-law and order-level exposition dialogue piled <laughs> on top of this really oh. obvious mystery that is completely ripped from the plot of the last uh, Knives Out movie um, with your millionaire, or with your obviously Elon Musk, but not really billionaire, um, who, by the way has given his kid a weird name, and it turns out, at the end of this fucking thing, at the end of this pilot turn, <laughs> that your killer is the six-year-old kid with the help, named Zoomer, named Zoomer, with the help of the the evil, weird-looking uh, 2001 computer. Well, um, but not and, evil, and I think I, that's what's interesting about it. The killer, right. I, I would say that differently. First of all, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I agree to disagree on the level of exposition. I, I didn't think it was true detective, but I also didn't think it was sub-law and order. I think it was probably 
about law and order, which is fine. Um, it it's not cribbed from Knives Out because the the first of all the rich billionaire who's like uh, you know overzealous experiments get everybody into trouble is hardly a, a story that originated with Knives Out. Uh, it's, no, but we're all isolated in one place in the rich billionaire's house. This time, it just happens to be in Antarctica instead of a desert island. Yeah, that's, but that, it, that like they did that in Murder by Death fifty years ago. It's not new. I, I, I and I'm and I don't mean to argue that it is. This is not okay. new. Um, that said, the AI is not it's, evil. The AI is an AI, and right, it's become evil because it's been talking to the evil billionaire. I'm not sure it's become evil. It's it, it has acquired certain priorities. <laughs> okay. And, and I think this is what's interesting to me about it is that like I don't think it's that I mean there's some obvious you know real world jumps here that are a little silly starting with that child's name which I can't defend. That's impossibly terrible and one of the worst parts of the series. But uh the idea just conceptually since since we we've spoiled this just conceptually the idea that an AI, uh, you know, based on its protocols, acquires certain priorities that lead it to effectively commit murder using a six-year-old as a weapon is, like, kind of an interesting thought experiment to me. Um, it's, also, it's also the worst. Zoomer in Bill's room with the, with the AI <laughs> is the worst game, the worst ending of a game of Clue of all time. Okay, but again, I would say, importantly, it would be the AI with with the Zoomer in Bill's room. <laughs> I, we haven't even gotten to the fact that the engine of this story is the most lip-dicked romance I could possibly conjure up uh, between the the two, I guess, pseudo-main characters. I mean, one dies in episode two, so he's mostly told in flashback. But like all this, this whole thing and the whole, it's, I forgot the most important rule. I supposed to be thinking, understanding the victim instead of thinking about the killer. Like just, uh, just so ham handed. Like, even if, uh, it's a somewhat intellectual, interesting thought experiment about AI, I'm not totally sure it is, but even if it is the, the lack of entertainment on your way to this Makes it just a giant turd of a mystery box. Um. Okay, I I I disagree, but not strongly enough to like <laughs> make a thing of it. I I I found it again. Like you said, sub Law and Order. I think it's probably about Law and Order, and I've seen most of the episodes of Law and Order. <laughs> you know, so like, <laughs> but when you're watching Law and Order, you're not like. You're not there for the tight story construction, right? No, like, I'm there oh, for the you're... light mystery, and in yeah. this case, the added, you know, it's like a, it's like one of the Law and Orders that's pulled from from the headlines. You know what I mean? <laughs> like headlines. It's a pulled from it. That's that's probably right. what it is. That's the but level. Is, Whatever the level. This is masquerading as uh, as uh, 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 like prestige television, right? Okay. That's all I'm saying. This is, I not, think it's, this is not FX worthy. Well, I yeah, I mean that's a weird way of putting it. But if the if your argument is that like this purports to be true detective and instead is 
Law and Order ripped from the headlines, I would say, yeah, probably. It's a very Law and Order ending, I would say. It uh, is, but but like a lot of Law and Order endings make you think a little bit, and that's that. Sometimes that's enough for me. <laughs> okay, All right. I mean, look, yeah. my lack of desperate passion to argue in favor of this is probably evidenced as much as anything by the fact that it took me like a couple months to get through it. I'm not saying like we have found our new uh, North Star for detective television. I'm saying. I kind of enjoyed the thing, and it left me with an interesting thought experiment. Yeah, I strongly recommend you don't watch this. Fair uh, enough. <laughs> I, I, okay, let's transition to something we're going to agree on, which is <laughs> not, not, not just because I, I will want to get us back on the same page, but, but also, um, I like, okay. We're not going out on a limb here, I don't think. <laughs> no, I don't think so either, except that, like, Drew McGarry is somebody we both respect. Yeah. Did you read the, the article? I did. I did. Okay. Well, you did more than I did because I don't like to read previews and afterwards I haven't gotten a chance. But uh, I have to say, I did not think about it once while watching. You know what I mean? Nor did I. I, I did not need to. You know what I mean? It, it's all right there. Yeah. And, and like I have to say, when – Drew McGarry put something in my inbox that says this is the worst film of all time, basically. <laughs> um, I'm expecting something more noteworthy. Yeah, it's not really noteworthy. It's just a pretty middling action fantasy epic. Star told, Wars as told well. Half, half, a, half a story told. Um, yep. And... It's the kind of thing that I feel like the appropriate reaction is more like if you don't have anything to do on a Thursday and want to watch some aliens and explosions, you could do worse. If you really like green screen yeah, is travel, I, I guess, you know, I don't, and stuff blowing up. That's, yeah. And that's what you need. And and by the way, like mileage may vary, but Zack Snyder has a very particular style of action, and I do enjoy the the way it looks the, with the slow motion stuff and the really like mm. distinct. All right, well, you know, that, and those are interesting to me because I, one of the things that I've been trying to figure out is why, like, why does the Zack Snyder fanboy exist? I can't think oh, of I one can't of answer that. That that has been like I would like to watch more of this. Like the idea that people would think of any Zack Snyder movie like, oh, there's a cut that this guy's is this guy's true vision and it's much longer and I need to see it is I like I, I like it's beyond my comprehension. I, I agree. I can't I can't answer that. But, like, what is the turgid bubber of a, like, I just don't, who's having fun watching Rebel Moon? I just, I, like, I, I, I like I said, if you, <laughs> I can if you screen fighting and mediocre uh, dialogue, cool, I, I guess. I don't know. I can imagine someone who enjoys the action sequences and doesn't mind the rest. I mean, I essentially am someone who enjoys 
a lot of the action sequences here. Um, I just just an insight into me. Like I am not a huge fan of the way a lot of action has developed because I feel like it's over packed. Like I don't mind slowing things down and like locking into individual fight moments. I think it's kind of cool to watch. Um, that said, like you know, uh, real touch and go whether I bother with the second installment of this thing because it's it, there is nothing to recommend it outside of some some you know above average but not mind blowing action sequences. I don't. Uh, other than that, it's a perfectly rote story and i guess you know maybe you're like playing video games and you want some action flick on in the background like sure it's it's a sure but yeah it's second screen this is a second screen yeah definitely a second screen there's nothing to recommend the story and you don't really need to follow the story because they do basically like retell you the story at every interval um and almost the the evil people are really obviously evil really obvious and and one thing i found hilarious about the dialogue was did you or not even the dialogue just like the approach to storytelling i don't know if you noticed this but they were like three to four times in this movie which is again only half the story where some inane thing led to a piece of exposition being delivered to the audience only for that to become like a critical fact like 30 seconds to three minutes later (laughs) so like there was like we we've got a basically main character of this thing, right? She's running around. We know she's a badass, but we don't really know who she is, or, or that she's like in high demand. And all of a sudden, like she's like telling a dude a story by by, by like at a, in a quiet moment at night, and someone casually mentions like, "Oh, well, you're one of the wo- most wanted." women in the universe and then all of a sudden she's captured by the evil guy who's like and you the biggest prize of all the most wanted woman in the universe <laughs> and, and there were like three or four moments like that where i was like this i don't even fast. think you had to tell me that ahead of time you could have just surprised me at the moment yeah. like you've just it's yeah. just it a very obvious when she when said it you know what i mean because you're like clearly this woman is like uh, she's related to some people pretty high up in this thing, and she knows how to fight real well. So exactly, it was almost like they actually had done the exposition without explicitly saying it, and they chose to still say it thirty seconds before it became important. And that's right, the kind of movie it is, right? Um, you're probably not paying attention, and you probably need to hear it a couple times. That's exactly right, and and maybe looked at positively from the other side, like you don't have to pay attention, and it's perfectly valid to have it on the second screen, and like. Almost half the time, if you happen to look at it, something kind of cool is going to be happening from a visual perspective. So, you know, you could do worse. But the thing that's striking to me from all of this is, like, as sincerely as I can't imagine the person who is demanding more of this, it's hard for me to understand what makes it worse than literally thousands of other movies. Well, no, it's mostly just another bad Netflix movie in a long series of them. Yeah, uh, this one looks it looks re- it it looks really expensive, and yet I wouldn't say it looks good. Does that make sense? I, I like it. Well, like but I think that's an eye of the beholder thing, right? And I think but, that is one place where you, me, and Drew McGarry um, 
are just not the target audience. <laughs> so, well, that's the other thing is it's like like we think it's terrible and pretty obviously terrible, and yet we watched it, and I think quite a lot of people watch it, and I'm pretty sure that Netflix is going to give Zack Snyder a lot of money to make more of these. Would well, be there's a part not, two that's part already two. on the way. More projects, you know what I mean? Yeah, so. maybe, maybe, but you know. Yeah, I Look, will not participating in part two. I can promise you that. Fair enough, and I, like I said, it's a it's probably fifty fifty for me at this point. I'm not excited for it or anything. Um, but I don't. If there is a legitimate audience for this, I don't really mind them giving money to Zack Snyder. The question is, are they also making space for things that? might appeal to uh an audience that wants more and hopefully the answer is yes but i guess uh that that is the chief question moving forward yeah i just don't i don't like i don't know if you're happy with this then you don't want more you know what i mean no i agree but like i think there's room for two worthwhile audiences that don't have a ton of overlap right right sure and 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 i mean to your point like you know, there may there of the many people who watch this, maybe seventy percent of them actually care about it, right? And you know, so on down the line, or whatever the numbers are. I but it seems to me that even if there's not a ton of overlap, or even if the overlap exists purely among people who are like, yeah, I'm going to turn my brain off for a few hours and put the Zack Snyder thing on, I, I still think there's a viable audience for actually quality material. <laughs> And and hopefully Netflix does too. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Brother's Son? I, I think this is quality material. I don't. It's not necessarily the type of quality material we were we were just referencing. Um, no. This is not like a prestige film or even television take. What it feels like to me, and I should preface this by saying I'm not an expert. In fact, I'm I'm like a novice, if anything. But. It feels to me like just a pretty good take on like a classic kung fu story. Um, there's a ton of really artfully done fighting and a not too deep, but also not like shitty uh, kind of family storyline background that it's playing out against. Little right. bit of a mystery, but mostly just it's the, just your fish out of water thing going on there. Yeah, fish out of water and and like a uh, you know a tale of brothers raised in opposite circumstances. You know that sort of family stuff is in there. It's funny. The acting is good as expected, and I, like I'm definitely going to watch the rest of it. I, I, I my kung fu knowledge in terms of placing this as a kung fu property is like. You know, as certainly as much just reading about shit Quentin Tarantino referenced as it is actually knowing anything meaningful about the kung fu genre. But that's what it feels like to me, and I like it. Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I like this. I don't. Uh, I, I think whether or not I finish the rest of it probably is more time dependent than anything than quality dependent. If that makes sense, you know what I mean? Um, like I don't know how. It, fired up i am to watch the rest of it but i did enjoy uh what i saw you know what i mean it's it's totally it's light. the the fighting is i think really well done as as things go um 
And, um, you know, Oscar winner. <laughs> Shelly Yell is a treasure, right? So she, She's a treasure. And I enjoy all the characters, actually. I think I think there's, you know, again, like, it, it does feel like it's trotting pretty well-worn territory, but it feels like good versions of the kind of uh, normal characters in this type of tale. Yeah. A little, a little proper execution goes a long way. You no know doubt. what I mean? No and doubt. it's certainly more than I felt like we saw in the, in the rest of the things we watched this week. So I don't uh, think either of us ha- have much trouble declaring this as the best plotted and written thing that we watched this week. Yep. And I'll, I'll throw the challenge into that mix. I'm friend. so glad you used that transition because I was going to try to sneak it in if you didn't. I was going to say, speaking of like things that could benefit from some more choreographed fighting. Um, <laughs> like, here's Brad to try to run upstairs. Um, I just don't... I don't know what the point of it is. I, uh, Brad, I, well, I have been in the gym so much lately, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> right. Here's Brad. He's strangely calm and at peace with himself and hasn't been working out. <laughs> That's right. Someone bought Brad the Calm app for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just wrecked him. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. He put up a decent fight, but it was a predictable and easy win for Kylan if we're starting at the end of the episode. And and I yeah. look, I'm not mad at that. Kylan might have beaten a, a peak Brad because, you know. Kylan's a beast. <laughs> yeah. Kylan's a beast. He's really good at this. And. I, I just continue to be flabbergasted. Not only. I mean, at least this week, a few people started to wake up to the Jay and Michelle stuff in terms of being within the show. And and I do think a tide is building of people who are like, yeah, hold on Arthur a second. Reese blew this thing. They blew it. She, like, she could have turned the tide single-handedly. I don't know why Mariah is riding for Jay, but I will say this. Have you been listening to the podcast? No. Should I, I? I guess I should probably should be listening to the podcast because maybe these people are, are are providing some sort of light on the, on the thinking here. Cause I mean, listen, most of them most of them go on the podcast and expose themselves as idiots and liars, which we already know. So I don't know that like you need to listen to the podcast, but I will tell you that the most interesting piece of information I've gleaned from the last several p- episodes, and it's been confirmed on both ends, is that Mariah and Michelle are each other's actual number ones so if we are asking the question why is mariah doing this that's the answer can i go back and i I just didn't want to go back and ask the question when you say actual number ones i'm saying if if they they understand that they are each other's number ones and are just kind of not acknowledging it or they are effectively each other's number ones they both openly acknowledged it in their in their podcast interviews that from the beginning so it was a conscious thing, and they're just kind of laying low on it. I mean, obviously, they're in the same alliance. but They're in like, the same alliance. And, and Michelle's my number one. Mariah's my number one. Correct. And there, there's essentially the four main women in that alliance, the other two being Olivia and Norris, who came yeah, in. But it's not in the quote-unquote Fantastic Four. Olivia's not, and Mariah's not. That's true. But I'm just telling you, when when Michelle and Mariah were both directly asked, like, who is the absolute last woman you would vote for? They said each other. Wow. So that is why Mariah is not turning on them. However, I would argue rather than making the argument that 
she James turning would, on them. Right. She made the James argument about it. Right. To protect James. Well, and, and, and I see why she's thinking that. But a better argument would have been, I am throwing Jay in because actually, Michelle, you're not really any safer over there. Right. And and because ultimately she's not throwing Michelle in, right? So she doesn't have to confront saying Michelle's name. She's just saying this absolute douchebag turd who is a terrible interview and and I'm not convinced actually like really great at anything, but does present an interesting cha- like final competitor. Like I just don't want to see this guy win. It I feel like it is it would tarnish the legacy of the program. Like that is how I'm feeling about this right now. I, I it, is, di- it is wild. Like I, I think I was like certainly more than you, but I think I like kind of like Jake coming to this season. And I feel like he's really like turned, turned himself into a supervillain somehow. Let me say being like particularly like compelling or evil. You know what I mean? He just by sucking so hard and just and by so arrogant about it. Dude, the douchebag level of his ITMs is out of control. And yeah. he's like making very specific douchebag faces. And let me just say blanketly without naming his name, even though he's absolutely the person I'm talking about, that anytime you're in any competitive situation, the guy who goes, I'm not aggro, I'm just excited, when he's clearly aggressive and obnoxious, <laughs> yep, is yep. the absolute worst fucking guy. That guy <laughs> sucks so hard. Yep, and yep. everybody in the house realizes it. By the way, my burn of the week, Zara being like, Jay says he's not upset, but I'm pretty he's sure he's upset. He's profusely sweating and he's spiraling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... Yep. Bro, and and then and he starts puffing his chest out and walking around, and then this is what I've been waiting for. Exactly, you're so full (laughs) of shit, and then he gets to the ITM when they're in the sand and goes, "Well, actually, I'm hoping he pulls Kylan's name because blah 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 blah." And it's like, dude, you spent the last three weeks trying to orchestrate Horacio going down there now you're lying in your ITMs about what you wanted because you know that Kylan is the one who's going to get sent in it's pathetic yeah well, it's pathetic it's, I just yet and yet he's controlling this game and people are letting him and yes like what I don't understand is like you know and people point this out but people certainly like Colleen obviously but people like Corey you know what I mean like what what do you think is going to happen, man? Like, like, like you're and, not high on their list. You like know? next week, not in like a month. Dirty work. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like they, they're only taking so many, dude. Emmanuel, you know I mean? Ed, like, yeah. Like they've already said they're really basically ready to get rid of Ed. Exactly. Know? And if he keeps winning challenges, you know, like, obviously, they don't have the opportunity, but I guarantee you they are, like, first opportunity. They're going to treat Ed just like Horacio. That's exactly right, because Ed, they've shown the goal. Up. Yeah. Can the, we get into what's, what, what the F is going on with Olivia? Okay, we can get into that, but first, I just want to add one more thing about the awful people that are making this show miserable right now. The next person to say, I don't want to see XYZ in a final, like... Tell me who you want to see. Yeah. Because when Michelle is sitting there, I don't want to see Horacio or Kylan in a fight. Who do, who, 
Who are you excited about seeing in a final, Michelle? Because I look at that stage and I don't see one person I think you can beat. Not one. Right. So right. like, and half the people you're protecting are people who can beat your ass. Exactly. So, <laughs> so what on earth are you we talking be about? To see Mariah in a final. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> right. Or even Jay. Like honestly, if I'm Jay, I might rather see Kyland in a final than Emmanuel because. Because right, Emmanuel is the most like Jay in terms of skill exactly. Set. Emmanuel is a better Jay who just <laughs> doesn't speak English as well. Like, <laughs> I, so I don't know the, the that whole line yeah, still- that everyone uses. It's is pissing me off as well. Okay, Olivia, it's it. It's a tough one because there is a level at which she is undeniably right in terms of. Horacio is not doing his job, you know? He Okay, he, can, can I back on that a little bit? Well, let me just say what I want to say. Okay. Horacio believes his job is to compete. And and he believes that anyone who knows him personally and has received his assurances should remain steadfast and confident in those assurances until they hear otherwise, as long as he is still doing his job on the field of play. And while that is respectable and understandable, it is not how you play the challenge. So there, there is a level at which Olivia's criticisms are valid. The problem is she's taken them way over the top. She has talked to everybody besides Horacio about them because this all could have been easily solved if the first conversation she had was with Horacio. And then he maybe would have realized, okay, she needs me to be a little more verbal in my support for her. I can do that. But instead, she's talked to every other single person and then chosen the absolute worst people to trust on the issue. Right. Can I also just ask the question of what protection is Horacio supposed to be doing for her? At what point has her name come up at all in any sort of dangerous way? None. And that's exactly right. And so it's... (laughs) So I what is what has he been not doing? That's this is the part I like that I he don't is get. Just, just like what he's not security on her part, right? And you could tell because the second he talks to her, he's like, "Yeah, I've got your back." And the second you need me, I'm here. I'm never going to say your name. She's yeah, like, but this is oh, yeah, well, that does sort of feel reassuring and better. And then, like then she she's a nut, right? I mean, she's lost it. She's wildly paranoid. The game is getting down to the needy greedy, as as Nelson would say. No danger at all right like, like agreed snug as a bug in a rug in the middle of this alliance so agreed i, I am it. simply i'm simply saying that happens to people no i look i think she's nuts and i think she's doing insane things i'm just saying like we've seen that before the paranoia leading if if the question is what is he not doing the answer is very simple and and i'm not defending it but i do think it's it is anticipatable and and solvable from Horacio's perspective if he had been emotionally intelligent enough and paying attention. He's not emotionally intelligent, though. And she knows that. She's been his friend for two and a half years. Agreed. Right? Like, so I, I just don't like, and like to me, I would say 75% of this is that she doesn't like that he's hanging out with Zara a lot. Which is weird because who cares? Because Norris, who's actually like cuddling with him doesn't care it's weird olivia is acting weird as hell and if you're asking me 
Who does this fall on from a responsibility standpoint? It's clearly Olivia. Her behavior is insane for the situation. However, if the question is, could Horacio have dealt with this better? The answer is undeniably yes. And and I want to make a, you know, an analogy that's weird in this scenario because of the the actual relationship dynamics at play. But in terms of what's going on here, it strikes me as pretty straightforward that this is very much like the the wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or husband who says to their partner, like, sure, I know you love me, but I need to hear it every day. Like, that's what this is. She needs to hear it every day. Because you're absolutely right, as is Horacio, to point out that, like, there hasn't been anything to do to protect you. You've been right. totally protected. There's never been an occasion where I've been required to defend you, but I absolutely will if it comes to that. And there's been no indication otherwise. And chill out. But and, and while I grant you that she probably would have lost anyway, she basically did nothing to protect him when his name was on the line, and then still bitched about it. I know it's crazy. And, and 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 really what she has done here is given herself a pass for not defending him when he needed defending by saying, well, I've been defending him all, all season and he hasn't done anything to defend me, ignoring the fact that she has not required any defending. So it's absurd. <laughs> She's pretzel logic herself into not outright betraying, but definitely not riding in the way she alleges to ride for her ride or die. Jay Jedi mind trick her with just a complete storm of bullshit. (laughs) Well, and that's what's frustrating is I love Olivia in this game. I I believe in her as a competitor, but it's not encouraging that she did simply allow herself to be entirely Jedi mind tricked by a doofus. (laughs) <laughs> a doofus who consistently proves himself a doofus yeah. in a thousand ways all the time. It's not a mystery. You can say the same. Um, you know what I mean? So uh, who knows? Um, I just don't. Uh, we we we, uh, we got to figure out a fix for this show because well, it, you know, T, TJ said it himself. Like at the beginning of the episode, we started at twenty four, and we're down to sixteen. And I was like sixteen. Yeah. Like, and yet we end this episode still at 16. So I'm going to assume that CT takes out one of the guys next week. Yeah, but that's obviously not enough. <laughs> it is not enough. Yeah. We're going to need some double eliminations and we're going to need them stat. You I'm hoping I mean? it's a purge. Figure this out. I would yeah. like to see. And there is a mini final this week. So that that feels like that could be a purge opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Not only a purge opportunity, also an opportunity to delay the gratification of Christopher Tamborello for an additional week. Because it's it's the only hope remaining to salvage what has been a a largely useless and unentertaining return of champions. Yeah, and I'm now worried that they're going to, I mean, you know, CT's not really bad at anything, but they're going to put him in something where, like, I don't know, his weight will be a huge disadvantage or something. You know what I mean? Like, like, Well, hopefully not. But I will say, to your point, it's going to be a lot harder 
to handicap CT than it was to handicap the other uh, most of the other champions. Yeah. They've already they, used the flight of stairs. So. <laughs> yeah, and, and and honestly, like they're I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm talking myself into false hope, but at the very least, I'll I'll say this. When I was annoyed with an episode a week or two ago, I was ranting to my wife, like, at this rate, they're going to bring in CT and make him do math. And she was like, well, you know, <laughs> it could still work. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, good point. All right. CT be a, a pole wrestler or a hall brawl. But they will, you know, I don't, I, I think hall brawl may be over as we know it, as we've discussed before. <laughs> yeah. But a pole wrestle would obviously be incredible. And also, like, honestly, like, He's also a puzzle master, so something right. puzzle-related would not be an equalizer with CT, you know, in theory, in the same way that it is with someone like Cara Maria. Yep. I agree. So, so. fingers crossed. I mean, I, I am hopeful, uh, truly, about CT, and I do think, like, we've gone from a point where where we can speculate of like it would be cool if there was a purge or a bunch of double eliminations or what have you at the end of this portion of the game to a point where it's like there's no other option cuz yeah. this show is not going on for 10 more weeks that's not happening so right and we're taking 16 people to the final right and the so the only option at this point is we are going to see uh some carnage and and the show is ready for some carnage it definitely is ready for Supernatural. What, what would you say is a bigger producer whiff at this point, the casting, or uh, or or what they've done to the champions, the way they use the champions this season? I definitely think it's the latter, because I still like like okay. Look at I, I'm just gonna pull up the sixteen um, people left. Uh Sorry, but basically, um, I, I think I, without looking at the list, I feel like at least half of them would would in my mind be like reasonable champions, not champions that I'd be disgraced by, you know, um, and. And I we understand. Excited cast at the start of the season, right? So what'd you say? So we weren't unexcited about the cast at the start of the season. No, right? exactly. And, and and maybe more to the point, it's I wouldn't. I, I like okay. So here's some people: Emmanuel, Kyland, um, Horacio. Uh, on the women's side, uh, where is it? I just can't find the list. Um, okay, on the women's side, uh, Mariah, Narice, Zara, at least all of those people would be, like, pretty decent champions. And of the eliminated, like, I'm not sure I saw it happening, but I certainly wouldn't have been upset if Big T became a champion. I think Chauncey, like has you know if he had gotten through the season and and knocked some people out of a like you know i i think there were valid potential future champions here i think you're thinking about it competitively i'm thinking a little bit more about it from a tv well standpoint. but here's where i'm going is as as much as i haven't liked jay 
this, there's entertaining characters here, and and I don't think the producers, in their defense, could have expected Jay and Michelle would somehow dominate the game the way they have to to a standstill. I just think it was pretty unpredictable. The champion stuff is more predictable and might have solved some of these problems. So to me, that's a much bigger gaffe. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe they just didn't intervene in the right ways. And I think they it was a little bit of bad luck in that they sort of systematically were eliminating a lot of the best ITM people. Yes. So, you know. And I do think maybe... Basically. (laughs) That's so great. If there is a lesson, and Nerese is good too, um, if there's a lesson here... Yeah, yeah. If there's a lesson, I think it is this cast probably did feature a little too much separation between the best competitors and the best ITMs. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Because obviously, look, the greatest champions of the challenge, and we've seen a lot of them lose in the last few weeks, uh, are champions in both of those departments. Mm -hmm. Laurel, Cara Maria, uh, Devin, uh, you know, Durrell, like... CT, certainly. Um, these people thrive on camera when they're talking and when they're competing. And that's important. Yeah. You know, I just watched The Iron Claw, um, which I recommend strongly. Um, and, you know, it does sort of bring home that, like, right, to, to really be great in the wrestling game, like, even if you have the body um, and you have some some ring charisma and technique – if you're not good on the mic, you know what I mean? Like you're, you can't be one of the greatest, what you can accomplish in that yep. sport. Right. And, um, I think it's sort of the same here. Like to truly be a champion, you really, you need some mic presence, you know? Right. I mean, to be, it's one, like, can you win a challenge without it? It's possible, but you're not going to be one of the pantheon champions without some of yeah. that. And frankly, and what some of the stuff Horacio is running into right now by just not being a talker. You that's know exactly I mean? right. And and listen, you don't have to be a huge talker, but you cannot opt out of that side of the game. You just can't. Yeah. 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 It's gonna be there, and and it, if you don't participate, that just means it's gonna hurt you. Uh, yeah, it sure. It sure is. I don't know, man. We man, we could use a Devin in this game. <laughs> you know. Not Good obviously adamant as a champ, but um, and even that, just you know what I mean, just for ten minutes was great. <laughs> well, I mean that is the one place that I think that the champions have helped is like they have had the most entertaining ITMs of the episode quite often. Yeah. <laughs> they have they have upped the entertainment value for at least the time period that they're on screen. Um, I would say that yeah, even of Brad who. Just- being weird was more compelling than having this stuff. You know what I mean? That's exactly so. what I was going to say. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yep. And and a huge part of that, like I'm not saying, God, if they only had more burn-up, but like a huge part of it is the pure quantity of screen time being given specifically to Jay and Michelle, which at the beginning of the episode, I found myself being like, what the hell is wrong with the producers? Do they feel like they're the main characters? Like, why am I seeing them so much? And and then you watch what happens, and it's like, what are yeah. they supposed to do? Yeah. It's frustrating. 
I am I hopeful though that that the tide is turning. All these worker bees that have allowed this to happen. Agreed, you know? and that's why I'm hopeful. Is that like I feel like finally at least a few of the worker bees are starting to catch on, and that should at least. Yeah. I mean, it took long enough, but hopefully that you will change Co- things. You got Colleen over there, like just not just not having the balls, you know. And the second that Narice didn't say Jay's name, right? Like it all just cracked. Even yeah, I mean, it's not great, but I also understand it from Colleen's perspective. I, I don't understand it from... I, I will say, however, given the elimination that we had, that uh, Jay, I think Jay would have cleaned Brad's clock. Oh, no doubt. Um, it wouldn't have mattered. Elimination, so. <laughs> it's anything to do with climbing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, I think, actually, probably Jay would have beaten anybody there in that particular elimination. Yeah, yeah. so is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't change the principle. It's the principle for us. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> We're standing on principle. Goddamn right. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, what's the next phase of this game after chaos? We keep forgetting. It's, uh, I don't know. Something with a C. I just hope it's better. <laughs> yep. Well, again, it's going to have to involve some significant elimination of humans. So that at least, you know. Wait, let's, let's call it culling. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. At a time like this, how dare I? Yep. All right. Okay. Um, should we get to homework for the week? Yeah. Here we are. Um, we've got a new season of True Detective. It's getting a lot of buzz with Jodie Foster. Very exciting. Uh, looks, looks. You know, Jodie Foster thrives in the sort of uh, dark and spooky environment that True Detective creates at its best. So I'm, I have high expectations. You know, what's interesting for me is like I'm just kind of excited to have like something on Sunday night on HBO to watch again. Honestly, I it doesn't even have to be HBO. Just something that feels like weekly appointment television. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's something just, you know, HBO Sunday night prestige dramas. Like, it's just been a, you know, entertainment slot in my life. You know what I mean? Agreed. Agreed. But I, I also just think, like, because of the nature of things and the splitting of the audience and the, you know, lack of appointment television in general, it's just like a real hole because HBO is sort of the last vestige of appointment TV, right? The HBO Sunday night for years now has kind of been the last vestige of appointment TV. And there really just hasn't been anything for, I mean, what's the last one? Barry? Uh, was it Barry? Does that even count? Yeah. That Barry counts. Okay. Uh, yeah. They left that slot open. Was it succession? Was succession and Barry running at the same time? Though, weren't they? Yeah, pretty much. So, I, you know, since that, since whichever ended, more recent, uh, more recently between Barry and Succession, I don't even know if there's been an attempt in that time slot. I know they yeah, have that no, like Gilded Age show. Yeah, pass. Yeah. Same. Um, I think that I, th- I think there is a you know I mean look the strikes part of that so you yeah know, I'll give a little bit of a pass but I'm I'm glad it's back. Uh, all right, uh, Foe is on Amazon Prime Video. Um, Saoirse Ronan and Paul Mescal. And I yes. don't really know much about it, but that's good enough for me. That's yeah. I mean, I think that is the primary driver of our interest. Is, is well, those... science fiction, right? That's what it's supposed to be. Uh, yeah. 
all I know is the log line, really. It is listed as a thriller slash sci-fi, but uh, what I've read a couple times now is Hen and Junior's quiet life is thrown into turmoil when an uninvited stranger shows up at the door with a startling proposal. Uh, uninvited stranger and startling proposal are the two phrases I've seen associated with this film, and uh, I'm intrigued. Hen and Junior, you say? <laughs> okay. Hen- Henrietta. Okay, I got you. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Henrietta. Makes some sense. All right. Uh, Bass Reeves, Taylor Sheridan show with David Oyelowo, right? In the lead role? Correct. And I have heard David Oyelowo interviewed about this. And the it's really his passion project, as I understand it, that he ultimately brought to Taylor Sheridan, but certainly fits in the time period of the Taylor Sheridan universe and is a true story. Um, about a former slave who was the first black U.S. marshal, um, which is an incredible, like on its face without knowing the details, an incredible story that I, you know, kind of didn't realize was a an actual historical show when I saw the advertisement for it. But that made me even more interested, and uh, frankly, David Yellowo's passion for telling the story made me interested in it. So I'm actually pretty excited about this, and I'll say something that I've now said a few times. Me, me asking, maybe we should watch this. That that did not make you interested. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It wasn't about you. It, it was about. Uh, this is my. I don't know. Look, I think I need to address my own biases because I do have a knee jerk eh, reaction when someone is like, "There's a new Taylor Sheridan show." And yet, I can't think of a thing of his I've watched and not enjoyed. So, uh, shame on me. For me, it's the Western thing. That's the, like, I'm not, I'm not big on the Westerns. But I, the Taylor Sheridan part, that's, that's a plus. And, and I would add that, like, I think, ideally, in, in a perfect world, the things that infuriate you about the average Western will some sort of not be as infuriating here. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. All right, so that's that's uh, that's on Paramount Plus. Uh, if if you didn't pick up from the Sheridan part, <laughs> and um, and then I guess they made Ted, the the uh, Mark Wahlberg Seth MacFarlane uh, movie franchise um, into a TV show that's going to be on Peacock, and it's getting decent reviews. So we're going to check it out. And listen, I don't know where everyone's at on Seth MacFarlane and Mark Wahlberg these days, but like, and I have no idea if they're actually participating in this TV version. I don't, I don't think they're direct participants, but but I also don't. It's it's a it's a solid comedy premise, to be quite frank, and I have uh, my fingers crossed that it'll be entertaining. I enjoyed the first Ted movie, fine enough. Yeah, so. it's funny. It's a funny idea. You know, uh, it, it's largely, uh, frankly, fairly easy comedy, but that, there's a place for that in the world. McFarlane is an executive producer at the very least, so he's not not involved. Like I said, I don't think they're directly involved. I, I'm sure yeah. that they are in some form or fashion holders no, of the Ted. rights. He's voicing Ted. Seth's voicing Ted. Oh, he is. Oh, yeah. I lied. He is directly involved. My bad. So, Mark uh, Wahlberg is not directly involved. Anywhere to be found. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, those are the things. Anything else you got to add? No, I don't think so. I think it's time to go. All right, let's get out of here. Bye. This game's in the Admiral Refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. 
Butter's getting hard, the eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor, have yourself a tremendous evening.